Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. Dr. Jacobs is a clinical psychologist and family therapist with more than 25 years of experience and the author of the book, The Emotional Survival Guide for Caregivers, looking after yourself and your family while helping an aging parent. Dr. Julia Mayer is also a clinical psychologist with nearly 25 years of experience and is the author of the book, A Fleeting State of Mind. She specializes in women's issues, including caregiving and other relationship concerns. Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer have joined us today to share their latest book that they have co-authored, AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. And now, Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer, and our host, Rebecca Rogers. Yeah, so the, the issue of humiliation is a big one um, because sometimes people become uh, people who are or, or in the receiving end of care become very stubborn and uh, and rejecting just as a way of maintaining their sense of self because to to, to accept help feels humiliating and so uh, by by taking all these these steps to ensure that they still have a role and that they still they still are appreciated and they still are in a position of giving. We, we really save them, say, help them save face and, and avoid that, that feeling of humiliation and then help them cooperate with us much more fully. How do you think being grateful changes caregiving for the better? And how do you feel it impacts what you define as positive caregiving? So let me just first define positive caregiving. And, and so a lot of, of the narrative in our culture about caregiving has been very, very negative for about 20 years. You know, we see all these movies, we read all these memoirs about folks caring for loved ones with Alzheimer's disease. And it's, it's always very bleak and tragic. Positive caregiving is really looking at what can be gained from this, this difficult experience. How do people grow personally and spiritually? What kind of enhanced sense of purpose do they gain through this work? And how, how, what kind of gratif- gratification do they get from keeping the family together through these very difficult times in, in, in the family's life? Gratitude is, is really central to all of that because even though something may be hard, doesn't mean that one can't be grateful for having gone through it if the the goal and if, if what's achieved is really meaningful. And so when people see the value in what they're doing, if it comports with their own religious traditions or their own uh, self-identity, then even if it's hard, they're very grateful for having done it. So just last night, I, I met with a, 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 a woman who's around 60 years old, who for the last year and a half had been taking care of her mother with ALS. And it was really tough work. Her mother was completely debilitated physically by the end of her life. Her mother just died about two months ago. My client, the caregiver, said to me, you know, it was when I was going through it, I, I felt just consumed with, with resentment and, and frustration. But now I look back on it and I am so, so grateful for having done what I did uh, because, first of all, it gave me an opportunity to give back to my mother. But secondly, now I feel an increased sense of compassion for other people in their life circumstances for having gone through something very difficult in my own life. So that she said to me, I really feel like this has changed me for the good. We hear that a lot, which is why while people are still in the middle of the caregiving where it's tricky and challenging and difficult, we have a phrase, prospective retrospection, which is we try to help them think about how it will be for them 
years ahead looking back, what will they think of, of how it was? It is like your um, images about taking that picture. It's a way to stop and reflect in the here and now, in the moment, and appreciate what it, there is to appreciate, even in a challenging situation. And some of those things that we appreciate that we don't always know to appreciate, but that we might be able to appreciate is some of the things that Dr. Jacobs was talking about, that, that feeling of, I've done a good thing. I'm doing something valuable and meaningful. I'm caring for the person who cared for me. And I've learned a lot about the medical system. You know, I feel competent and confident and capable. There is a lot to be gained. And just uh, that feeling of I'm a good person doing a hard thing, but it's a good thing. Also, another piece that you talk about is the importance of seeking other caregivers or creating a support group and having a community of people around you that can be accessible to reach out for help when you need it. How would that make a difference in preventing potential problems like depression? Depression being a very big problem as related to caregiving and isolation. You know, what, what, we, what we always talk about here, and I think you've even heard me talk about before, is how important it is for people to go into this as if they're running a marathon. And to run a good marathon, uh, they, they need to uh, do lots of things like pace themselves and replenish themselves. But one other component is they need to have people rooting for them, uh, people who have their back, and, and we know that people run further if they're running with a group of others. When people feel isolated, they're much more prone to depression. When people feel supported, then they're, they're in, in much better stead and, and much more likely to be able to get from the start to the finish line of, of this long race that we call caregiving. Unfortunately, lots of caregivers focus on their, their tasks at hand, that they, they don't take the time to reach out to others, or they feel humiliated about reaching out to others, or they say, I don't need a support group because uh, I don't need support, or it, the idea of, of needing support is, 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 is tantamount to, to sh somehow shirking their duties. So we try to uh, really help people understand that having that support, whether it be through family, through a support group, through, through a church community, that all these are ways of better enabling themselves to complete the, this mission that they, they've set for themselves, and that to go it alone is making things far more difficult for them. I think a lot of caregivers feel very lonely because it's often long hours and they feel like no one understands the sacrifices they have made and the hard work they have done. Who's going to understand that? Other caregivers are going to understand that. And it's actually really meaningful when caregivers get the chance to share in a group or, or with one another in whatever setting, even if it's an online community and they just get online for 10 minutes at night and, and chat with some other people, it makes such a difference because it, it allows caregivers to, first of all, recognize that other people are doing the same thing they're doing. Those people understand what a bad day feels like. They understand how frustrating it is when something goes wrong or a medical appointment, you know, uh, you don't make it or, it, you know, somebody falls like they get it. So, um, you know, one of the reasons that we wrote this book was so that caregivers could feel part of a community, even just reading it. Uh, there is a resources section in the back that lists all sorts of ways for caregivers to get support. But even just the book itself um, is one of the goals was to help caregivers see that the kinds of struggles they have, lots of other people have. And there are some sometimes simple solutions or 
or at least compromises or ways to have, you know, approach it that, that might help. Um, so we feel really strongly that caregivers, they need a community. They need to be heard. Absolutely. And one other thing you talk about is, yes, that reaching out and that seeking that support system, but then utilizing the experience in a positive way to help somebody else, to support another caregiver, which is the reason why this program happens. That is exactly the purpose and the motivator, the original inspiration and motivation for this radio program was exactly to do that, to take a personal experience and reach out and support other fellow caregivers, if you may. I mean, that, that's the way we make positive meaning of, of, of adversity, uh, where we, you know, we take uh, our, our hard knocks and we, we use that experience to, to inf- better inform and, and, and prepare other people. That woman who I just mentioned a little while ago who was caring for her mother with ALS, I mean, she was part of an, uh, an online uh, ALS caregivers uh, support group for a while. And she said to me last night, even though her mother's dead, she has decided to continue with a support group for that that very reason. And that is, it, it's been so gratifying for her to be able to share what she's been through and to help other people that she does, wants to continue doing that and, and to continue making meaning now uh, what is the completed caregiving experience for her. This is your host, Rebecca. And now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877 Extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101. Because care starts with you. It's very encouraging when we can put all those things and all those experiences in context to make a better world and to support those people that need it out there. How about humor? (laughs) As part of your caregiving experience, I love that you included this in your book because I have days when all I can do is laugh at the circumstances around me and at myself. And humor can truly be a great stress relief. Tell us a little more about how to inject humor during caregiving to make it a lighter day. Well, it isn't always the easiest thing to do, but um, I, I agree with you that it is uh, sometimes it's a lifesaver. <laughs> it, it definitely gives the caregiver and the care receiver just a little break from whatever's stressing them both out. Mm-hmm. And that break is a little bit of a remove from tension. The great thing about humor is it just changes the feeling in the room. It changes the atmosphere. So uh, there are a few stories in the book. One of them is as simple as just turning on a, a comedy Finding a funny show and watching it together, something that you both think is, is funny. <laughs> and um, 
uh, you know, and, and another is another idea is just trying to, to be mindful of the attitude that some things are going to go wrong no matter what you do. You can cry, you can laugh, you may as well laugh, it's a lot more fun. Doesn't really change the outcome, you know, sure. things are going to go wrong, you're going to have to fix them. You may as well find a way to laugh about it. So, so that's not very, it's not so easy. So I, I will tell you that in writing the book, Julie took all the more lighthearted <laughs> chapters, the themes that like humor uh, that that really uh, she brings she brings her playfulness to. Uh, I, I tend to be a little grimmer, so I I, I took things like guilt, you know, <laughs> anger. Um, but but you know, I I, I also think that uh, the fact that we could joke together about all the things that happened, providing care for her parents, providing care for my parents, you know, it really was made this huge a huge difference and. Really, I think it made our marriage stronger, that we were able to support one another, but also to have this feeling that we were going through this experience together and that we were going to make the best of it together. Um, so, you know, here's where humor really made a difference in our marriage and humor also in, in, in providing care together has, has improved our marriage. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and humor is so essential, uh, the ability to laugh the ability to understand that a lot of times, okay, so I have to tell you this. I have a little mole in my front yard for the past two years. But I'll tell you, that mole has taught me so much. Because I remember last year, I was so intent in just putting little sound things on the, on the yard so that she would just not like it and go away. And you know what she would do? She would dig under the little sound things, whatever that's called. There's sonic little uh, apparatus that you put in the in the ground, and and they're supposed to go away because of the vibration. Well, she would come and she would dig it right up, and that was just hilarious because it's like you know the exact thing. It's mountains versus molehills. That's just a molehill. This year, I said, you know, have fun, just dig them all out. <laughs> You might have a movie there. <laughs> I think that one day I'm going to write on that experience because it was just so funny to me how she would just dig him right out. And it's like, let it go, Rebecca. Just let it go. Let me I'll have stay. my mohill. <laughs> Another very important subject that you deal with in your book is the subject in a more serious uh, manner, of course. It's the subject of grief. Uh, and both of you share very personal and very special stories that really touch the heart of the readers. I could certainly relate to some of those moments you describe in your book concerning your experience with your parents that have passed. What do you tell a caregiver that is dealing with a loved one that is getting close to the end of the journey here to help her or him find comfort during this time of profound loss and change? One thing that I think about a lot is that there wouldn't be painful grief if there weren't intense love. Very well so, so I try to help people recognize that, that the reason they're grieving, and, and it's true, a lot of people do begin to grieve before their loved one has passed because they see that that time is coming and it's it is a painful time to watch somebody lose, get to the end of their life and, and lose their abilities and decline. And it's scary. It's very frightening. And it makes people anxious. And so oftentimes it, it is really one of the hardest things about caregiving 
is, is that grief. So I encourage people to feel their feelings. They're going to be sad. Perhaps if they're taking care of a, a loved one with Alzheimer's, don't be sad in front of them because they'll get sad. Mm. <laughs> Try to enjoy when you're with them, but also take some time to process your feelings. It is very sad. There's no denying it. I wouldn't want anyone to deny it. At the same time, remember that it's so sad because there's love. There's so much love. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so sad. Uh, so I, I, I have worked with many caregivers uh, who um, went through what we call anticipatory mourning, uh, as Julie's describing, where they, as their loved one clearly is declining, uh, they begin to prepare themselves for, for what's coming. Uh, and then I've, I, I typically work with those caregivers for maybe a year afterwards and having them then continue meeting with me, maybe not as regularly, but to check in with me to just talk about um, their experience and, and, and how they're dealing with grief. Uh, and what I have often seen is, you know, it, it often takes one to two years for people to fully grieve and, and you know, really come to terms with the loss of someone very significant to them. Uh, over that one to two year period, their, their, their sadness becomes less intense, uh, but doesn't go away entirely. As a matter of fact, I saw someone yesterday who uh, I, I cared for, uh, I, I worked with her and her husband for, for a couple of years before he died of uh, complications from diabetes in the year 2000. Here, here it is 2016 and she still comes back every year and visits me and really just to kind of check in and, and we still talk about that experience in her lives and what it was like uh, to, to, for her to care for her husband and what it's like now to live without him. Um, so grief goes on. It, it's really just part of living. Um, it's, it's, and it becomes part of the fabric of our lives that, uh, that I think hopefully enriches our lives and it doesn't detract from, from our, our life, but, but actually gives us greater sense of, of uh, gratitude for, for, for the time we had with people and for the, the days that we have now. And, and I think it allows us to uh, be empathic with others who are going through loss. If we've gone through our own loss, it, it really opens up a world of experience. It's not the most joyous, but it's important. And it is a major piece of the lifespan. You know, this is the life cycle. We go from birth to death. I feel that we don't ever, a lot of people anyway, and I'll speak for myself, I don't think I will ever finish grieving my parents. You know, I, I, I feel like that's always a part of my life. It's certainly not as uh, extremely painful as it was when they first passed away. But I think about them regularly and I, I still feel grief. And I, I think that's the way it works when someone's important to you. Yeah, we, and we rework grief at different times of our lives. So, uh, you know, my father died uh, at the age of 51 when I was 15. And I remember when I turned 51, just, just how, uh, how much I thought of my father, that, you know, first of all, worrying that I was going to die because he died at that age, which is you know, something men do. But, but also just thinking of myself as, as having a better sense of what he, who he was at the time, because now I was at, at the age that he was. And uh, really just thinking a lot about what, what, what do, my life would have been like if he had lived and how much, how much he missed by dying and how much I, I've missed him um, all these years. And so I, I, I think that those, that, that grief returns to us at different times uh, as we mark events and milestones in our own lives. Thank you so much for sharing all those beautiful pieces of information and stories, personal stories. And, you know, it almost is like um, grief and losing somebody really 
adds another layer of depth into who you are as an individual. I know when I lost my mom, I think, like you said, I can relate to all of those feelings, but it certainly adds another layer of depth to who you are. And it's like, it's a tenderizing thing, you know, it's just when you tenderize meat or whatever, you, it just really, it tenderizes you because it puts you into that place of empathy and compassion and just the realization of our mortality and how, you know, to give such, all those feelings of gratitude and value and all of, puts a lot of all of those, all of those very important things that go beyond just what we can see and touch into perspective, correct? Yes, you're so right, Rebecca. It's it's a strange thing to say, but it's it's a growth experience. Mm-hmm. It really is. Thank you so much, Dr. Jacob and Dr. Mayer. I think your book is a wonderful work full of compassionate and hopeful words that I feel will bring great comfort to many caregivers out there. Certainly a special book to share with anyone that you know that is walking the path of caregiving and may need some encouragement today. I am particularly grateful to Dr. Jacobs for coming back to our program to speak to our listeners. Thank you. And now bringing his lovely wife, Dr. Mayer. So thank you for joining our family and becoming um, a member of the Lifestyle Improvement family of caregivers. This is our privilege, Rebecca, really. I mean, oh, we're so pleased to be here. enjoy speaking with you. Thank you so much. Now, we know your book is full of gems, but I always try to ask my guests to pick one gem of precious advice to go ahead and leave with my listeners, something that they can just grab and use today and help them improve their lifestyles as caregivers. So I have, I have a story in the book um, where I, uh, I, I sorry, my, my mother always loved classical music and she wanted to go to a classical music concert, uh, but uh, uh, she, she didn't want to use her walker because she wouldn't be able to get her walker up and down the aisles of the, of the music hall. And so we, we used her, 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 her cane that day. Uh, and then unfortunately on the way out of the concert, uh, she was unsteady on the cane and she fell and she broke her tailbone and was, and was really laid up for a while. And, and what I write in the book, AARP Meditations for Caregivers, is that we, um, I felt tremendous guilt that I had somehow brought this about, that I hadn't taken the proper care of her. My mother, uh, to her credit, did everything she could to make me feel better by basically saying this was a risk that she wanted to take. Going to this concert was extremely important to her because it made her feel like she was still living the life that she wanted for herself uh, and that she was very kind in forgiving me for having been complicit in this decision. And it, it enabled me to feel kinder to, my, to myself. And so the point of my sharing that story in the book is really that caregivers need to be as kind as possible to themselves. There are many, many decisions that we make. Not every decision is going to be the right one. Sometimes there may even be bad consequences of the decisions that we make, but that is, that's life. And we have to just accept it and know that we're doing the very best that we can. And that being harsh with ourselves doesn't help us and doesn't help the people we're caring for. We have to, we have to really be kind. And that's the, that's the way we, we carry ourselves through the, through this, this difficult passage in our lives. I, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, I suppose, uh, since, uh, I agree with everything Dr. Jacobs said. I would uh, go on a slightly different tact and say that caregivers 
really need to keep in mind that even the most challenging, difficult situations will pass. And with that in mind, if they can lighten it, if they can make it more joyous, if they can find their appreciation, their awe, their humility, um, then that's what they, they should focus on doing. One of my favorite memories of my dad was sitting in a little Japanese restaurant for an early bird dinner. I write about it in the book also, where I tell him stories about my kids and he's laughing. And I felt so good that I could make him laugh. He was so sad to lose my mother. They were sort of joined at the hip. And, and so it was a tremendous loss for him, as it was for all of us. But just sitting there, having those moments over colorful cocktails and sushi and laughing is one of my best memories. So I would say to people, be in the moment. Find the joy if you can, because there is so much pain. You don't have to find that. It will come to you, but find the joy. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So self-acceptance be kind to yourself, be present in the moment, and enjoy every bit of what you have today, because that is the gem. Today we have with us Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer, the authors of the book, AARP, Meditations for Caregivers, Practical Emotional and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. And you can find this book at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for Part 2 of our interview with Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. Dr. Jacobs is a clinical psychologist and family therapist with more than 25 years of experience, and the author of the book, the Emotional Survival Guide for Caregivers, looking after yourself and your family while helping an aging parent. Dr. Julia Mayer is also a clinical psychologist with nearly 25 years of experience and is the author of the book, A Fleeting State of Mind. She specializes in women's issues, including caregiving and other relationship concerns. Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer have joined us today to share their latest book that they have co-authored, AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical Emotional and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. Don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for more tips on lifestyle improvement.